joining me on a very special Comics Pals review. I am your host, Sean, and I'm here to talk about the movie of the year. <laughs> Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Uh, the movie just dropped. I had the opportunity to go and check it out. It's not streaming anywhere, so if you are still uncomfortable going to theaters, that's perfectly valid. Unfortunately, for the time being, until it gets announced streamed somewhere, it's not going to be available to you. Uh, but don't fret, because I am going to do some uh, spoiler-free stuff here before I get into the real meat of my review for this film. Um, you may have noticed that I am alone. Uh, so this is the first time that we're doing any type of review or anything uh, with just one of us. And of course it would be me. And uh, hopefully I do a good, a good job for you guys write in and let me know how you think I do. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can do so by leaving us a follow or rating or and a review, wherever it is that you're listening to us. If that happens to be YouTube, uh, hit us up at youtube.com slash the comics pal subscribe for free like the video share it with your friends hit the notification bell all that stuff is free and it helps us out a lot more than it costs you make sure you're listening to our main show the comics pals which drops every single monday there the rest of the pals and i talk about the characters that you love and all the places you can find them and the news that surrounds them in the industry called comics now the first Venom, I'm on record as having really enjoyed. It's not a perfect film. Uh, it's borderline bad, but I think that's part of its charm. It's kind of weird in that way. Um, it's not so bad that it's good. It's just that it teeters on bad in a weird way, but it leans into the things that it does well enough that you come away satisfied somehow. Uh, and with the second film, uh, Sony had to do that again even though now we all know what to expect, right? The first one was shocking because you didn't quite know what the vibe was going to be, but with Let There Be Carnage, you know, we know what to expect. We understand what they're going for with Venom. And the question really is like, did the fun factor of the Venom character and the hijinks wear off? Um, I'm going to answer that in a moment. Before I do, I'm going to play the game we always play here on the podcast whenever we do a film review, which is the Rotten Tomatoes game. I'm going to guess the audience score and the um, critical score and see how close I can get without going over. I've never actually played the game before, so I don't even like have a strategy. I'm just going to shoot from the hip. And I'm going to say that this movie is probably not doing terribly well with critics. So I'm going to say it probably lands around a 68, 65. So I'm going to go with 68. Um, critical score. Audiences, I think, will like it better. Uh, but probably it's not going to do amazing. So I'm going to say 75 audience. So 68 critic, 75 audience. Let's see how I did. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I didn't expect that. So it's actually a lot worse and a lot better on both ends. So on the tomato meter score, Venom is doing a 59%, uh, but the audiences are loving it. It's 86. So my first at bat, not so great, but that's okay. Cause that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to tell you guys what I thought about the movie. So let's start with the spoiler free section. Uh, if you enjoyed the first Venom, 
let there be carnage does not change the formula. It's still a very, very similar film to the first one. It's still got the humor. Um, it's got the action. It has the funny, crazy relationship dynamic between uh, Eddie Brock and Venom. And it's brisk. You know, um, this movie is only an hour and a half, which is incredibly short for a superhero movie. Most of them trend around two hours, frankly, even longer these days. So Venom bucks that trend. And I think most people will probably be happy with that. I wasn't. I feel like the movie needed to spend more time with certain aspects of it, uh, particularly on the villain end of the spectrum. I think that uh, Woody Harrelson's Cletus Cassidy is underserved. And so is Naomi Harris's Francis. She plays Shriek in the film. And that character just doesn't get enough. Um, you can feel it, especially when it comes to the confrontations between Venom and Carnage. I don't want to get into too many specifics, but for me as a person who really, really came here for Carnage, uh, I did not walk out of the theater feeling satisfied with what we were given. Uh, so that was kind of frustrating. That being said, it is a fun movie. I think sometimes it's too fun. They leaned into the comedy more than I was happy with. And I think there were some jokes that just didn't land. My movie theater uh, wasn't absolutely packed, but there were enough people in there to gauge how they felt about things. And I don't think that every joke landed the way that the creative team intended. And that's something I think they're going to have to work on. I think you can reel back the Venom stuff a little bit in terms of the comedy. A scene that's in the trailers that everyone will know is excuse me, the one where Venom is making breakfast for Eddie. And when I saw that in the trailers, you know, I, I kind of laughed. It was a little goofy, funny, but um, I didn't love it. And having already seen it because of the trailers, it landed even worse for me. And it didn't seem to go over great in my theater either. Uh, obviously, other people have different experiences, but for me, it just didn't work the way that they wanted. There's also a really, really goofy scene with Venom in it, I won't spoil it, but it stretches the bonds of what I can accept from these movies. Um, but again, everyone's mileage will indeed vary. So the last point that I want to make before I get into spoilers is that from a visual standpoint, one of the problems that the original Venom had was that the conflict between the symbiotes, it was very difficult to tell who was who, what they were doing. It, it was very reminiscent of like Transformers and how in those movies, you couldn't even tell what robot was who. And they were so damn big that the scale of them, it was hard to determine who was doing what and what was even happening. This movie doesn't quite have that problem. I think part of it is the colors. Venom obviously being black and Carnage being red helps a lot. Uh, in the first movie, I think the other symbiote was gray. And so there was it was difficult to tell who was doing what. Um, this time, we don't really have that problem. So that's a pro. And I think that it was a lot easier to distinguish what they were doing because Venom and Carnage fight differently. So that was a positive as well. And getting Andy Serkis on board to direct clearly was a smart 
choice because he's got so much experience with CGI and, you know, special effects and characters like this, that he, his mind, the way he understands film, I think it lent itself perfectly to this movie. Before I go on the spoiler free section, do not leave the movie until the mid credit scene. You don't have to sit through the whole credits, but there is a mid credit scene you're going to want to see. And if you want to hear me talk about it, you got to wait until a little later on. So uh, those are my thoughts. Spoiler free. If you haven't seen it and you really, really don't want any spoilers, I get that. I'm with that. Go check it out and come back. If you've seen it already and you're cool or you haven't seen it and you're cool, stick around. We're going to dive into the whole thing right now. So the movie spends the earlier points kind of introducing us more to the Cletus Cassidy character. Obviously, he was teased in the credits, the after credit scene for the first Venom. Uh, but now we're full blown. Woody Harrelson's got not that terrible um, wig from the first one. His hair is certainly better. And we see his childhood. We see how, you know, he was abused as a child. He was, you know, left at, you know, this home, St. Pete's, St. whatever it was, um, where, you know, he meets um, this this girl that he falls in love with, uh, Francis. Barrison, who goes on to become Shriek, or well, she is, she has powers inherently for some reason. Um, they don't explain why she has power; she just does. And I guess if this movie came out like ten or fifteen years ago, that would have been a lot harder for me to swallow. But we've seen so many superhero movies at this point that, um, it is what it is, right? Like. It's, it's fine that they don't explain it. I think if the movie had another half an hour, you could have gotten into her backstory a little bit more, why she's powered. I think that would have helped because, like I said, she is one of the characters that doesn't feel uh, very well fleshed out. And so when it comes to her, I would have liked to have seen more. But it doesn't detract from the movie too much that they don't get into that. It's fine. But... This is a departure, actually, from the comics. In Maximum Carnage, we actually see how Carnage and Shriek meet. And they don't have some romantic love story. She sees him brutalize and murder the, um, the, the workers at Ravencroft Institute. And she falls in love with him because of that. She likes the violence and the brutality of Carnage. And... He needs a running buddy. So they decide to team up to create maximum carnage within the streets of New York. And it's a lot of fun. The, the concept, right, for Let There Be Carnage of carnage is going out on a night on a town to kill as many people as possible, that works. Adding in a, you know, this big romance for, for carnage and he's in love with you know, Shriek, oh, and, and they met when they were teenagers, presumably, or even younger, frankly, they met in 96, it's 2021. Um, that's a long time. That's a lot of intervening time. They have not seen each other. They don't even know what they look like as adults, okay? Francis follows Cletus's exploits through the newspaper, which for some ridiculous reason, uh, one of the, you know, doctors at Ravencroft decides that she should have. 
that doesn't make any sense. But okay, fine. So she follows his exploits through that, and she has these, you know, visceral emotional reactions to whatever he's dealing with, whatever Cletus is going through. He's set to be executed, and she's clearly not happy with that. These two must have had some love that they still care about each other 25 years later, to the degree that when Carnage breaks out from the prison, the first thing he wants to do is go and find Francis. For me, I don't think that was necessary. I actually feel like including the this deep-rooted love story, it made it feel less authentic. I don't like the idea that Cletus has a heart. I don't think it adds anything to the character that he's this sick, murderous freak, but he also genuinely loves this person he hasn't seen in 25 years. I guess she reminds him of a time when he was not a serial killer, murderer, psychopath, but actually he was already that because through flashbacks, they show him killing his whole family. So the dude has been a monster since he was a kid, and I don't believe in the relationship that he has with Francis. So that I didn't love. Uh, and it's such, a, it's such a burden on the film that they have to follow up with this love story that we don't really see Carnage doing that much violence. I think part of that is due to the rating. I don't believe that you can effectively do a movie with Carnage in it that is not R-rated because of the nature of his violence. It's acceptable with Venom because you're going with the angle that the Venom symbiote is not inherently malicious and neither is Eddie. Eddie in these movies is not the same as the Eddie from the comics because he hasn't encountered Spider-Man. So the fundamental aspect of the violence of the Venom character and the reason for the violence isn't present. But what's also not present is a rating that would allow Venom to be violent in the ways that we know that he is. So it's uh, it works out the way that they want it to without Carnage. You can get away with the PG-13 version of Venom if you don't include Carnage for the reasons I just explained. Once you add Carnage into the mix, it just doesn't work because Carnage is a serial killer and he's a serial killer with the power to kill at a rate that's inhuman and to do it in ways that are supposed to make you feel queasy, right? There's not an ounce of blood in this movie. There's no blood in this movie. Maybe there's a speck of blood somewhere. Maybe that, you know, maybe someone gets cut open, but there's no, there's, there's no like real, um, you know, stabbing on the part of Carnage. I think he eats a couple of people's heads, but, you know, they make sure to cut away from that really quick. The, the, the weight of the violence is not present. And so it doesn't mean anything. The, 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 the violence of Carnage only matters if you can feel the weight of the fact that he is killing actual humans but they suck all of that out of the movie by cutting away at the right at the right moment for them the wrong moment for the story and so i could not connect with his violence it felt limp and that was a huge problem for me as someone who you know i don't know what this says about me but i've been waiting to see carnage in a movie 
for 20 years. And we didn't get anything close to what I was hoping for, unfortunately. Uh, sticking on the subject of Cletus slash Carnage, they changed the way that Cletus actually gets the symbiote inside of him. So I guess I, I lied a little about the blood part. There is one part that includes blood that I can recall, which is when Cletus bites Eddie. You know, Cletus has developed this fascination, obsession with Eddie Brock. He claims that he wants them to be friends and all this stuff. But when uh, Eddie actually, well, really, it's the symbiote, the Venom symbiote, that figures out uh, where Carnage, or I should say Cletus, is keeping one of the bodies of the people that he's killed, that kind of opens things wide up. And it results in Cletus being sentenced to death. Of course, this angers Cletus, and he takes a bite out of Venom, or Eddie, rather. And he can tell that the blood that Eddie has running through his veins is not regular blood. Something is off with him. And that's how they get to the idea that Carnage is born. Eddie's blood going into Cletus creates the Carnage symbiote. That's a lot more... Uh, maybe complicated is not the right word, but it's not as clean cut as Venom gave birth. You know, Venom is a symbiote that uh, can replicate by itself, self-replicating. It creates its own offspring. That is a lot easier to swallow than what they chose to do, but I think I get why they went down this road. And I'm not going to complain about that. That's fine. You need a way to get Carnage into the fold. And they had to do something. So wh whatever. Um, it's not as clean, but it's perfectly acceptable. Far be that. Far be it for me to complain about that when there are so many other things that I think this movie does wrong. Um, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about the Eddie Brock Venom relationship. Because... There are things I think that are likable about it. I think this movie understands exactly what worked about the first one. And I think that it leans into those things really heavily. Sometimes that's to its detriment because, like I explained in the spoiler free section, you know, there was a, almost too much humor sometimes. But the, the parts about their relationship dynamic that were fun are still here. You know, Venom is very much like a teenager. And he's a teenager who, you know, needs attention and needs his own identity. And he needs to eat. He's a growing symbiote. And he's being fed chicken and chocolate. And that's not enough. He needs brains. He needs actual human brain to sustain himself. And that creates a frustration on Venom's part that drives a wedge in the relationship between him and Eddie. I'm, I'm all on board for that. I think that the idea of, of this movie, uh, Andy Serkis had said that this movie was a love story in a lot of ways. And clearly it is because the love that they're referencing is the love between Eddie and, Eddie and the, the symbiote. And I think that that is a great way to create an emotional hook for the story. You have to have it. And they found one that worked because it worked the first movie. Um, this movie 
does all the second movie stuff that movies love to do where the hero has to question whether or not they want to keep doing it. Eddie and Venom break up. Venom goes a separate way. And that I felt like was when the movie really turned into something that I wasn't that happy with. Sorry. Um, Now Venom is going and getting inside other people's bodies and using them to go and walk around and gallivant. And then, of course, they die because um, they're not bonded. Okay. So why why doesn't Venom just go around and eat people's heads? If he's that hungry, why doesn't he just start chomping on people? The only reason he doesn't do that before is because Eddie won't let him. But now that he's free from Eddie, he can do whatever he wants. Maybe it's the idea that he really doesn't want to do that or he doesn't want to do that to people who aren't bad people. I guess I can get behind that. But I don't like the idea of the symbiote kind of moving around without Eddie. The apex of my problem with that comes during a scene where Venom goes to a rave. You know, that's not something I thought I would ever say. Venom at a rave. That's really weird. That's a weird sentence. Um, and it's, it, I get what they were going for. It's a costume party as well. And, uh, you know, Venom needed to be able to express its feelings about things independently from Eddie in order to establish it as a separate character. But I think that really stretches the bounds of what's acceptable uh, in these movies in terms of what's what you can believably see. Venom's like eight feet tall or something like that. He's what, way taller than like a, an actual human. So you see that slimy creature walking into your party. You're not going to let him on stage and give him a mic. You know, that's not going to happen. People are going to run in fear. And of course, we're talking about a movie, and we're talking about a movie that doesn't often care to make a ton of sense and, you know, goes for the joke before the logic. Fair play. But I think that at times they push that too far. And that was one of those times for me. I just couldn't get behind that. Um, What was also a little frustrating, and this goes to the length of the movie, was the fact that they don't really spend too much time addressing why it is that Eddie Brock breaking the story about where uh, Cletus's body is, Cletus's, you know, um, uh, murdered, you know, the bodies that he has murdered, where they're located, why that leads directly into Eddie Brock being rich or having like a lot of money. Um the first movie includes several sequences with Eddie's bosses and stuff like that. And I do feel like this movie should have included that. I think that gives you an opportunity for a slightly bigger supporting cast, which this movie really brought the supporting cast um, down quite a bit. Um, I think it offers that opportunity, but I also think it fleshes things out. You don't need it, I guess, but for me, it would have been a little bit better because it gives more to the Eddie character, right? Uh, speaking of supporting characters, we do have, you know, a few. Uh, Michelle Williams is back in the role of Anne. 
uh, Reed Scott's back as Dan. And of course, you couldn't have a Venom movie without Mrs. Chen. Uh, all of them do basically what they did the first time around. And I think that they all are served exactly the way they needed to be. I love Michelle Williams ever since Dawson's Creek. I make no bones about it. I love Dawson's Creek to this day. Yes, I am 30. Um, and so it's really great to see her in this movie. And, you know, she's given some stuff to do. She and Dan are moving forward. There's a, a great scene, I think, in the, uh, earlier in the movie where Eddie and Venom are going to meet her for uh, for a dinner and a conversation. And you, the thought, you, you know, you're led to believe, and Venom certainly believes, that that she's going to say, you know, hey, Dan and I broke up. And that's not what happens. It's not what happens at all. And Venom's reaction to that is fantastic. They nailed that. Venom loves Anne. Venom wants Anne and Eddie to be together. But Anne, of course, has moved on. She's with Dan now. And because of that, Venom hates Dan. And there's so many great moments in the movie uh, that involve that triumvirate of characters. I guess it's a foursome if you, if you consider Venom to be its own entity. Um, there's a lot of really good stuff there. And where they end up at the end, where they kind of have found like a happy medium in terms of their relationship, that was cool. Seeing Venom kind of say to Dan, like, I like you. Um, I really enjoyed that stuff. And I've said a lot of negative stuff about this movie, but again, I really liked the first one, genuinely. All the stuff that was good about the first one is here. It's the villain part, by and large, that didn't really work out too great in the first one that also isn't really improved upon here. Because at the end of the day, you know, I don't care what emotional story you're trying to tell with, with you know, the Carnage character. If he's not, you know, chopping people to bits... It's not carnage. It's not carnage. It's in the title. Let there be carnage. There is no carnage in this movie. This movie is carnage in name alone. The character's name is carnage. The movie's called carnage, but you don't see carnage in this movie. There's no actual carnage in this movie. It feels like one bad night. And it's not even that bad because the only thing that Cletus really does is break out of prison where, yeah, he does kill people, but you don't really see much of it. And he's got this weird ability to like create tornadoes, which is out of nowhere. And I, as far as I'm aware, has no precedent from any comic book that I've ever read. Uh, but he doesn't do really much. He, he kills a guy uh, to get his car so that he can go and, you know, break francis out and then he kills some people breaking her out but then the next time we see him he's in church with her trying to get married what does he even know about her who she is now nothing and i guess to be fair they are both kind of in holding patterns since they were separated from each other because the idea is that uh francis was taken to uh, another facility they wanted to put her with people who had powers as well so they could better keep her under control and you know do some some testing on her i guess and so they're separate 
separated. She doesn't break out. She's stuck in prison for every day of those 25 years. Whereas Cletus, for some amount of time, is out there killing people. So they are essentially in holding patterns. In that way, it makes sense why she's the first person that he goes to seek out. But in my opinion, my understanding of the Carnage character, he's more in love with the violence that he does than any human alive. Even in the comic book, Maximum Carnage, he doesn't care about Shriek. You're not in a real way. He just wants to kill. And because she's down with that, he's down with her. And to me, that's all you need. Um, they wanted to add some depth and some emotional hook. I feel like you could have made the emotional hook be what it is for Eddie and Venom. You know, Cletus gets the symbiote. They want the same thing. They have the same goals. That concept makes that character a threat to Eddie, to Venom. Because Venom and Eddie are experiencing separation. Whereas theoretically, conceptually, what makes sense as an antagonist to that is that Carnage and Cletus are on the same page. They're fully bonded. They're so bonded that they're in love with it. They love what they're doing. They're happy about it. You don't even need Shriek for that. You don't. It's unnecessary. Put her in the movie if you want to. But I don't feel like that really is required here. And in fact, towards the end, the way that they're able to defeat, part of the reason why they're able to defeat uh, Carnage is because uh, uh, someone says, it might be Venom, I'm not sure. Someone says they're not fully bonded in reference to Cletus and Carnage, the Carnage symbiote. Why not? Because of the time that they've been together, I guess, maybe. Uh, but we know that those that aren't bonded with their symbiote die quick because it's a parasite. So the fact that he didn't die quick tells me they're pretty well bonded, you know, and Cletus gets a, an understanding of the powers of the Carnage symbiote very fast. They don't lean into that idea. I don't see that and go, wow, yeah, they're not bonded. I see that and I go, holy shit, Venom's in trouble. Um, so because of that, I feel like the Venom, or rather the Carnage character, just wasn't properly utilized. And then when you talk about like the fact that he ultimately dies, and not only does the Carnage symbiote get eaten by Venom, uh, Cletus gets eaten by Venom. He, he, Venom eats his head, which is what he needed, what he's been wanting to do for the entire film. Uh, I, I really, really wish that they had let both Cletus and the Carnage symbiote survive the film. I just don't see a world in which you kill off that character. I really don't. Uh, it's, Carnage is too valuable to the Venom and Spider-Man universes to take off the board. And I thought that that problem was solved a long time ago. I thought we were past the point of needing to kill every single villain 
in order to have a satisfying resolution for the audience. I think Carnage could easily have been defeated and believed dead, but left alive for a future return. And if you never want to use him again, don't use him. But this was pretty definitive. He's got no head, right? I guess maybe you could say that some amount of the Carnage symbiote remained inside the body of Cletus, and that will allow for a resurrection. But that's like unnecessary, right? You could just have let him live in some form or fashion. One character that I haven't mentioned yet is Mulligan, who's played by Stephen Graham. I love Stephen Graham. He plays um, Al Capone on Boardwalk Empire. I really love that show. And he is a great actor. He does a really good job here playing the Mulligan character. Um, This character actually in the comics is uh, someone who does get a symbiote as well. Uh, He's Toxin, actually. Patrick Mulligan is Toxin. Um, So there is a hint that we might get that down the road. Um, He's left for dead. Mulligan is towards the end of the movie and you think he's dead, but instead his eye flashes blue. I'm not sure exactly what the blue flash is supposed to represent because Toxin's not blue, but who knows? Um, In the case of Toxin, Toxin is actually the son or the offspring rather of Carnage. So we'll see how that shakes out. We'll see if they even go down that road. I'm not sure what the blue eye, again, was supposed to symbolize. Um, But he's basically just this cop who, you know, is on Eddie's ass and happens to also be the person that shot Francis and thought he killed her. It's fine. He's fine. Did the movie need him? Absolutely not. You could have cut every mulligan scene and i don't really think the movie changes at all it's to create this idea that eddie brock is in danger of people learning his secret and his involvement in all the crazy stuff that's been going on since the first venom film didn't need it i don't think you need it at all i think that they included that character uh in part to potentially set up toxin down the road I can do without it, especially in a movie that's an hour and a half. You have villains that are underserved, but you also have a supporting character who played, acted very well, not offensive, not bad in any way, simply just doesn't need to be there. So, yeah, that was that was another one of my my issues with the film. Um, I think that the performances are by and large really good. Tom Hardy knows what he's doing. He gets it with Eddie and he gets it with Venom. There were some, there were some points uh, where I felt the Bane character kind of slipping into uh, Tom's portrayal of both Eddie and Venom, frankly, Uh, especially when Venom's giving that speech at the party. I I so got Bane vibes uh, at that point, but Tom Hardy gets it. And Tom recently said in an interview that this he's deeply invested in this character and this, you know, franchise's success. It's pretty clear why, you know, um, these movies are doing really well for him. He's contracted for a third. He spent a lot of time honing and crafting what this character has to be on screen. And I think that he has done an amazing job 
of bringing that to life. Woody Harrelson does a good job as Cletus Cassie, does a good job as Carnage. I don't have any complaints about the performance. I just wish we got more out of it. That's all. Uh, no one did a bad job here. Um, it's. I just think that this movie knows what it wants to be. I don't think it knows what it needed to be. I understand that the rated R thing is just not going to happen because they want to make money and they're afraid that people won't show up if you can't have kids come, if you can't have young adults come. Uh, I get it. But I just, I just don't think Carnage works in that. And I also don't think that they realize why people like Carnage. I don't care about his relationship status. I only care about his murder status. I only want to see him do violence and I want to see him be stopped. You know, um, there's only one fight between Venom and Carnage in an hour and a half. You couldn't find time to fit another fight in. That doesn't sit well with me. I mean, we, we, we see typically several interactions and encounters between hero and villain uh, over the course of a single film. And here, not only did we only get one encounter, but they killed the guy at the end. So we're probably not going to get another one. Uh, I think that there was so much meat left on the bone. And that is the biggest sin of this movie. The biggest sin of this movie is that it leaves a lot on the table, but it does not seem interested in following up on what it's set up. But that leaves me to my last point. Last thing that I really want to talk about here which of course is the post-credit scene. The post-credit scene that everyone's talking about. It leaked, unfortunately. They were screening this movie in September for audiences in London, and it's very likely that it leaked from those screenings, but I can't confirm or deny that. All I know is that it was out already. So I was doing a vicious dance to try to avoid seeing or hearing what it would be even though I was pretty confident that I knew what it was. If you listen to our main show, The Comics Pals, which drops every single Monday, then you heard me last week say that I thought Spider-Man would be in the post-credits scene. That's exactly what we got. It's happening, guys. So exciting. We now know that Spider-Man and Venom will cross over. But I think this post-credit scene was really confusing. And I'm going to explain what happened so that we're all on the same page. So Eddie and Venom, they're on the run because just Eddie's been around too many of the catastrophes and, you know, he needs to get away. So they're on vacation somewhere. They're, in, they're at their, you know, apartment or whatever it is. And Venom says, I'm going to show you the history of my people. And the scene is implying that Eddie is sitting there watching the history of the Clintar unfold, not the whole history, a brief portion of it, over the course of like a night or a couple of days. But when the sequence ends, they're clearly in a different place. It's the, it's the same room, theoretically, but everything in it is different. It's just not right and there's a key line of dialogue that i couldn't even hear when i was watching the movie uh but the venom symbiote tells eddie that wasn't me 
and now on the television is none other than J.K. Simmons's J. Jonah Jameson. And it's a it's the same or a similar scene from Spider-Man Far From Home, where they reveal that the identity of Spider-Man is Peter Parker. And the Venom symbiote licks the screen and says, that guy. Wow. Wow, guys. That's so fucking cool. Because I don't know why the hell he's there, right? We can all assume it's because of what happens in Doctor Strange, or not Doctor Strange, but Spider-Man No Way Home. Whatever brings... Doc Ock, whatever brings Green Goblin, whatever brings Electro is the same thing, that spell, that's the same thing that brings Venom into the mix. So that's super cool. The first thought I had was, okay, so Venom and Carnage, or I'm sorry, Venom and Spider-Man team up to fight the Sinister Six. But I think that's probably premature. I think it's more likely that they set that up in order to accommodate a future conflict between those two or a future team up, whatever you want to call it. Spider-Man's likely going to be on his own. Well, the Spider-Men will be on their own in No Way Home because we all know and understand that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are in that damn movie. Let's not kid ourselves. But I don't think that Venom will be a part of that movie. Could he appear in the after credit scene? Sure. But I don't think that that character will be a part of that movie. I don't think that Venom will be the final member of the Sinister Six that they've been waiting to show us until this movie came out. Because Venom's not a villain. And there's no precedent set for the Venom character to want anything to do with Spider-Man, which makes him licking the screen and saying, that guy make no sense whatsoever. Unless this symbiote is somehow the same one from Spider-Man 3 way back when. How about that for a theory? I don't know if that's true. I'm just throwing it out there. But that's a possibility. Everything is on the table now because these worlds are merging. And it's so, so exciting. So for me, that post credit scene was awesome. I loved it. Didn't need to have multiples. You just have the one. Leave fans uh, guessing, give them what they want. And now, whether it's No Way Home or the next Venom project, we're all waiting with bated breath to see what they'll do next. What better commercial could there be for No Way Home than that? The, the promise of Tom, the potential of Tom Hardy and um, Tom Holland being in the film together, that's huge. That's absolutely massive. So... While I didn't love the movie, the post credit scene was worth it, and there is a lot to like. I think I like this movie less than the first one. Part of it is because with the first one, I didn't know what to expect, and it knocked me out of my socks in terms of how funny it was, in terms of how irreverent it was, in terms of how it kind of flipped the script on what superhero movies traditionally are. But this one was disappointing because I came here for Carnage and I feel like I didn't get that. So that's really where my frustration comes from. I think there's a lot to learn for the second one. Andy Serkis did a great job directing it. 
Um, and then every actor did a great job portraying the roles that they were that they were put in. There's still room for improvement on the Venom concept going forward. And my hope is that they learn some lessons from this one and do better next time. There aren't like a ton of villains left in the Venom mythos that you can really, you know, tug on. Maybe they can do the toxin thing. Maybe that's what the, the mulligan tease at the end is about. Um, you can always do Grendel. Grendel is the symbiote um, dragon. You can do the King in Black. That is a newer concept from the comics. You can do a lot of things. But none of it matters if you can't get the concept and the identity of Venom down. And now that they're fully connected again and they're happy as can be, hopefully the third movie can push the conflict between them fully to the side, focus more on the villain, and just do funny Venom shit. All the stuff we already like and we know we like, just do that and forget about the conflict between them because it's not necessary anymore. It was hard to believe now in this movie, even. So uh, that's all I have to say about Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Uh, I normally don't love giving ratings, but um, I would give this like a, a six, six, five out of 10. I think that's pretty fair. Personally, I think the critics got it right. I don't think that I think it's worse than what the audience is saying, but I might not be who this movie was for, which is weird to say, considering I love the first one, but I do feel like the general consensus among audiences is that this movie is a lot better than I think it is. Fair enough. Shang-Chi was the same thing. I didn't love that movie. It's the biggest movie of the pandemic. So what do I know? Anyway, uh, I would give it a 6, 6.5. It's fun. It's engaging. If you like the first one, go see it. It's not going to be a waste of your time. It's only an hour and a half. Don't be like me. Don't go see it in IMAX. I spent 50 bucks on tickets between my girl and I, my girlfriend and I, and that was a mistake. But you'll enjoy it, most likely. Let me know what you thought about the movie if you've seen it, which presumably if you're with me, you probably did. Uh, let me know your thoughts about how I did. This is the first time I have done anything alone uh, for the Comics Pals. So give me a rating. Give me a review uh, if you would be so kind to uh, let us know what you think about us. Support the show. Support the podcast. We put a lot of work in for you guys. So, um, you know, whatever you feel we deserve. We, we always appreciate it. Go to youtube.com slash the comics pals to subscribe there. You can watch all of our content. We'll be at New York Comic Con. Um, so you can watch our, our interviews and stuff there if you're interested in that. We've got tons of content out there for you guys. We did an accompanying book club that came out already uh, on Maximum Carnage. So if you want my thoughts on what is frankly a superior Carnage story, Go listen to that book club. Otherwise, guys, thank you so much for listening. Until the next review or until you tune into the Comics Pals next time, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Sean, and I am wishing you guys well. Until next time, take care. Guys.